Welcome to another episode of the Every Arkansan Podcast. I'm Drew Davis, and this week we've got my friend William Tillette. We know you're going to enjoy this one. William Tillette, Dr. Tillette, <laughs> I'm not even sure. I've always just called you William. William. <laughs> that's, um, that's the best name. <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to just share kind of your journey. Sure. So tell us a little bit about your backstory. Where, where are you from originally? Originally from right here in North Little Rock. I uh, was raised over off 45th Street and then um, down off 18th Street. I uh, went to elementary school at Boone Park. Okay. And until I was in the fifth grade, and my dad was an accounting and finance uh, person with International Harvester, and he got transferred to Memphis. So uh, when he got the moving orders, all we, we all went. And uh, so I was raised in Memphis for most of my younger life, graduated from high school at Whitehaven High School. Saw Elvis Presley every day he was in town when I would... <laughs> Go past his house, he would be riding his horses out front if he wasn't out on the road entertaining. And um, graduated uh, from high school and uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I decided just to take a year off and work and got into banking and worked for Twin City Bank that is mm -hmm. now Centennial. Uh, worked with them and uh, the whole time I was in college, started at the University of Arkansas in Little Rock and I was an accounting finance major, and uh, God interrupted my life <laughs> at 19, and I came to a personal relationship with Christ. And uh, during that time and just seeking Him, um, about a year later, as I was getting ready to start my junior year, I really sensed that God was redirecting me in some area of ministry. And my pastor encouraged me to transfer and to go to Washita. So I had quite a bit of business hours, and um, I didn't really know how God was going to weave the tapestry of my life at that <laughs> point. So I, when I transferred to Washita, I did a double major in Christian ministry, biblical studies, and uh, business administration. Um, finished high school, I mean college, about my bride there we married uh, Ron and I've been married almost 39 years have two children uh, Rachel and Drew and they're in their mid-30s and um, in that journey um, ended up going to seminary and in seminary they were offering a new emphasis and so I did my master's of divinity uh, with an emphasis in church business administration and after I did that, and I went to my first pastorate in Massachusetts. Um, <laughs> big leap up north. Big <laughs> leap up north. And, and we really were interested in international missions um, and started working with our international mission board as the Southern Baptist. And uh, our daughter had a birth defect in her left eye that she's blind. So they wanted to be sure we had all the medical care provision for her. So they said, go get a couple years of experience and then come back and talk to us. And we'll have everything squared away, you know, you will with your daughter. So we said, fine. So I was pastoring in Massachusetts and um, our son was born while we lived up there and he had a severe respiratory infection, almost lost a 
And in that journey, um, the doctors told us the next morning we were going to discontinue life support for Drew, that he probably was not going to survive. And we got to the, I went to bed that night, we were grieving, and three o'clock in the morning, the Lord just said to me in my spirit, do you trust me with your son? Of course, Lord. Then trust me. I will take care of your son. And uh, my wife and I slid off the bed and knelt and we were praying. We just gave our son Drew to the Lord. And we went in the next day and we saw the uh, pediatrician and he did not have a very pleased look on his face and we expected that we were not going to have to disconnect life support that the Lord took through and he was going to make it easy for us and uh, he said he wanted to see us in his office and we met him and he said I'm just really confused but about 3 30 this morning your son just took a big gulp of air coughed and blew out the respirator and he's been breathing on his own at about 80% uh, of his oxygen level. So he's still on oxygen, but if he continues to progress, he'll probably go home in three to five days, and I don't have any explanation. And uh, Ron and I sat there, and, and we just looked at each other, and we said, well, we do. And we shared the story with him, and he was not a believer, but he listened. He was gracious to us, and... Um, that began a journey where uh, God began to teach us about faith and trusting him and being obedient. And long story short, we never could, could be appointed through the International Mission Board uh, because of health in both our son and daughter. But the Lord redirected us and uh, a church in Texas called us and uh, we needed to return to a warmer climate because of our son's lung. Uh, strength and condition he had and we were serving in Texas and every position it seemed like I was going to I wanted to pastor and I kept getting called to these positions and doing executive pastor business administration things of this nature and I remember telling God one day you know did I miss you somewhere in the journey <laughs> I, I thought the call was to do pastoral ministry, but in my very myopic view of life, I thought that that was the only kind of ministry there was, was to be a pastor, and did not really understand the journey uh, is that God can use any willing vessel. And uh, so in the process, um, I began to soften and yield and became very comfortable in that environment, served some very nice, wonderful church families, uh, largely in Texas. And uh, then the Lord moved us to Arkansas after about 18 years. What I found along the way, Drew, was that he was just equipping me with snippets of things that I was going to need for the real journey. And the real journey started when I was the executive pastor at First Baptist Church here in Little Rock uh, back about 13 years ago or 14 years ago. And our son was a senior at Baptist, what is now Baptist Prep. But uh, 
he had made some choices and became connected um, with some friends that um, also were making poor choices and was going down a toilet bowl of life very quickly. But uh, he finished high school and all he ever wanted to do was be a Marine and went to the Corps, suffered an injury, came home and really hit the bottom in depression. And he found his comfort in alcohol and drugs. And I say this sarcastically and I don't mean anything demeaning, but I sort of sat in my ivory tower at First Baptist Church every day and I served needs of people and I helped people, but I just felt like, Lord, there's got to be something more in this journey. And so through the choices our son made, we um, had not heard from him in three or four days. And I told Rhonda, I said, after church tonight, I put my jeans on and I'm going to go hit the streets. And I said, I don't really know where to start to look for him. But I found him at the corner of Wright Avenue and Wright Avenue, Asher, and Roosevelt. There's the mm -hmm. liquor store right there on the. He was behind there in his truck. And when I found him, he was slumped over a steering wheel and a gun in his hand. And uh, I thought, Lord, it's too late. I got here too late. And I saw him move. And I realized he was alive. And then I was afraid if I tried to open the door, he would shoot me. So I made lots of noise and was able to awaken him enough to where um, we got the gun, came home, and uh, we started a journey of recovery and doing a recovery program. Uh, with our son for a couple of years. Hardest, most painful journey of my life. Um, but God gave grace. And in the process, though, the Lord awakened in my heart uh, a real passion for people that were hurting, for people that were addicted, uh, people that were abused, people that were homeless. And then in my journey, I ended up serving as the executive director of the Union Rescue mm -hmm. Mission. And that's where we met. And that's where you and I <laughs> met during that period of time. Y'all were just getting started. Mm -hmm. And I was in about my fourth year uh, at the rescue mission, maybe fifth when we met. And um, But I had a real passion to see people find freedom and liberty and... and uh, and what I learned in this journey is that God had gifted me as an administrator to help take broken things and put them back together again. And many times it was broken churches, broken families, etc. But now it was a very um, organic group of individuals that were homeless and addicted and domestically abused and uh, someone asked me one day they said so where is this in your career plan <laughs> and I said I don't think anybody grows up to say oh I'm gonna go to work for a nonprofit and I'm gonna be an executive director for a gospel rescue mission 
or I'm going to be a development director. I don't know anyone that wanted to raise money. <laughs> right. And that's probably one of the most intimidating things to me oh, whenever absolutely. I took the executive director's position was about raising money. And I remember my first ask I made, went out, visited with this family and made an ask, and they said no. And I got in my car and I put my head on the steering wheel and I started just weeping. I said, God, I can't do this. <laughs> And God said, it's not about you. Just because they said no today doesn't mean no ever. <laughs> and you have to be persistent. And, uh, and so I said, okay, Lord, uh, I'll be persistent. And began to find fruit to the labor. <laughs> um, and the, the mission was in a very struggling place when I first got there. And um, in that journey, though, I remember one day uh, we were struggling to pay a, a, a pretty substantial bill. And I'd carry the weight of this, and I'd exhausted every relationship I had, asking for money and support and encouragement and um, in my quiet time that morning the Lord just said to me you are so full of pride I mean you're just eating up with it dude and I said Lord that is not my heart <laughs> that is not what I want so one thing that I did though is I was trying to shield my staff from having this weight of knowing the struggle I don't yeah. know about you. Oh, but, no. Yeah. I mean, it's. You know, you want them to see everything as sort of copacetic, you know, but behind the scenes, we struggle. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people think, oh, they're nonprofit. They've got all these program money coming in. Right. Well, no, it's if that donation doesn't hit or you're the not. The utility bill doesn't get paid. Yeah. Or payroll doesn't get oh, paid. Oh, yes, or that's exactly. The food doesn't get on the table for those that are hungry, hungry and it's a it's a daily battle and a daily burden it is and in my mind it's like okay i know x number of dollars has to come in this month or things don't happen yeah and then you start next month over and the next yeah. month over well i never could get far enough out to a month brother. <laughs> I, I stayed in between a three day and a seven day window for several years uh but i in staff meeting i met with our staff and I said guys I need to ask y'all's forgiveness I said I I have just been eaten up with pride and thinking I can do this and I all I have to do is call somebody and uh, and I told him I said if we don't have ten thousand dollars by five o'clock today all of our utilities are being cut off in every one of our facilities we have Nehemiah house Dorcas house administrative offices and at that time we had a family store mm -hmm thrift store out on the university and I said uh, I need y'all to join me in the boat and it's the faith boat that we're <laughs> going to have to trust God and uh, would y'all be willing to join me in that journey and they all said yes and all my staff members were in there but one individual so I began to pray um and we spent that whole staff meeting just praying for about an hour. And I went to my knees, and finally I was just laying out before the Lord. And Michael came to the door and said all she could hear was sobbing and people crying. 
And she said, I was raised Catholic. I didn't know what any of that meant, you know? <laughs> she said, so I was afraid to go in. And at 5.15, we had locked the door, and the bank closed at 6. There was a knock on the door, and a man said, I'm here under a mandate from God. And she said, I don't know what a mandate of God is, but it sounds really important. <laughs> so she let him in, and he said, I need you to give this envelope to your executive director. And she said, well, I'm sure he wants to meet you. She said, no. Nope. He said, I don't have time to meet anybody. I'm doing what God told me to do. He knows what to do with it. And she brought the check back, and I opened it, and it was exactly to the penny what we needed. Now, someone had gone to the bank and made an anonymous gift in the bank, and so a $3,000, so I needed seven, and that's what this check was for, $7,000. And he said he would have come earlier. He said, at 3.30, God told me I needed to make a gift, and I've been struggling trying to find out how much God wanted me to give. <laughs> and she said, her words to me was, I'm the savior of the mission today. And I remember one of the things that we prayed was, God, we're not going to touch your glory. We won't do that. And as soon as she said that, I just rebuked her. I said, absolutely, you're no one's Savior because the last Savior there was died on the cross. <laughs> and unless you're one for you, someone put some nails to your hands and you to die right now, you're no one's Savior. And she says, William, I'm just kidding. And I said, I know, but you weren't in there. And one of the things that we said, well, we would not take glory for this. This would be a God moment. Once we started praying, though, little caveat is our men's director at that time said, well, we haven't had any protein for about 10 days. And I mean, I just, I looked at him and I said, well, why didn't you call me? <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said, see, there you go again. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, we're going to pray that God would provide protein. So I'm driving down the home, down uh, Interstate 30, going to my home, and uh, my phone rings, and it's Dorcas Van Giltz, who is the... Mm -hmm director at the Dorcas house. And she says, William, I've been trying to leave since 4.30. It's now about 5.35. And she said, a man just pulled up and he has 100 pounds of ground beef and 24 turkeys. <laughs> I said, yes, Lord. <laughs> but when she called, I had to pull over to the side of the road. I was weeping so heavily. So I guess in the journey, one thing that I've learned is I have to stay fluid. I have to be willing to listen, and I have to be willing to have my expectations rerouted. Um, and here, during the time I was at the rescue mission, I was developing some health issues, and I thought it was my, I'd just been diagnosed with diabetes, and I'd been to the hospital four or five times thinking I was having the big one, you know, right. and my doctor finally said, well, it's stress. And I thought, well, I know how to fix that. So I just quit. <laughs> I took a hiatus in about four months. And, uh, and in the journey, God led me to the Salvation Army where I presently serve, doing strictly development. At least that's what I thought at the time. <laughs> and, um, and again, I said, Lord, I... I I don't like this. I don't like raising money. I don't like having to go ask people for things. You know, you don't count on a thousand hills. Why don't you just kill some of them? But uh, the Lord began one day in my quiet time. He
he pulled the tapestry back because all I could see on the tapestry was the backside of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, yeah. but all I could see were all these knots and zigzags and things, you know, and I think, what correlates here? How did I ever do this to start with? You know, I had other aspirations. <laughs> and uh, the Lord said, I want you to come look at the front side of the tapestry. And I sat there looking at the front side of my life. And I felt so blessed. I felt so blessed. And had been able to work with young men and young women who um, were interested in nonprofits and um, starting nonprofits. And I've partnered with some folks from um, the Clinton School and uh, journeyed with them and did some mentoring. And, you know, one thing that I've told them along the way, um, and very unashamedly, that I have a relationship with Christ, and I would look to Him to give me direction. But uh, I, I told him, I said, don't become so myopic in what you're going to do in your life that you miss out on some, some of your greatest opportunities of your life. And don't look for just your comforts, but many times it's when we're in our most uncomfortable place Mm -hmm. we experience some of the most phenomenal encounters and um, and that's one thing I can say um, in local church ministry at the Union Rescue Mission and now at the Salvation Army is it has been through some uncomfortable situations that I have found a community of people whose heart are for the Lord. A community of people that are willing to bear the burden of others. A community of people that are selfless. A community of people that want to serve. And what they need to hear is your story Mm -hmm. and my story and the story of others that are sort of in the trenches. to let them know about what those opportunities are and then to just empower them to do the work that's there before us. And um, I remember you and I were talking just a little earlier about when we first met and we blessed, the rescue mission blessed you with some chickens and we also did some canned goods Mm -hmm. and coats. Um, And that's the other thing is learning how to collaborate with others. Mm -hmm. The Salvation Army, you know, it's been around 154 years, um, serves in 128 countries around the world, but we can't do it all. Mm -hmm. And there have been times joining hands with you in the Dream Center and you joining hands with us and just learning how to collaborate and to learn that we all have different resources. And we can share those resources. Absolutely. Because as you well know, it's not about you. It's not about me. You know, it's really about the people that God's called us to serve. And uh, so in the journey, if there's anything to tell people, it is stay fluid, 
stay focused, and uh, be willing to make adjustments to your plans. Uh, if you do that, you can be a very rich and fulfilled individual. Thank you for joining us on the Every Arkansan podcast. Let us know if there's a topic you'd like to learn more about so that we can help you chase after your God-given dreams. In the meantime, you can like, subscribe, and share this on social media. Check with us next week for another inspiring story of our community chasing their dreams.